This is a broadcast of Holland United Church of Christ. At Holland UCC, we seek to open the mind and engage the heart. We are a community of justice, peace, and affirmation in Holland, Michigan, where everyone is welcome to the table. The Holy Gospel this morning from the Gospel of John, chapter 11, Gospel of John, chapter 11, 32 to 44. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been there, if you had been here, rather, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and those who came with her also weeping, He was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there's a stench because he has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, But I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here, so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth, and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. Thanks be to God. Well, even though we have a serious topic this morning, I usually do like to start off with something lighthearted, and it is Halloween. So maybe just one Halloween joke. Why did the headless horseman get a job? He was trying to get ahead in life. Nope. 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 All right. One more? Nope. (laughs) All right. One more was shot down. You'll have to tune in to our Zoom coffee afterwards because, yes, I can feel the groans coming through the screen. But we do have, of course, a serious topic today, topic of death. And death is a topic that we love to avoid or... Imagine is somehow far off or avoidable. Andy Rooney said distant, or sorry, Andy Rooney said death is a distant rumor to the young. Death is a distant rumor to the young. And yet we know that death is an inevitability, a certainty, something we cannot avoid, and yet it still catches us off guard when it arrives with its cold finality. 
And we see that in Jesus' reaction to the death of Lazarus. When he hears about the death of his friend, he's greatly disturbed and deeply moved by it, the text says. He's sad. He's angry. All the things that one feels in such a moment of loss. In the alternative lectionary text for today, Jesus is approached by a scribe who asks, which commandment is the greatest? And there Jesus famously responds that loving God with everything in you is the greatest commandment. And a second is just like it, loving your neighbor as yourself. Carolina Lewis, a professor at Luther Seminary, asks, what is loving our neighbor if not helping stave off death, even for just a little bit, by the ways in which we honor life in the present. I love that. Because death creeps into our world in too many ways in which it doesn't need to. And in this moment, especially in this ongoing pandemic, we've seen so much unnecessary death. Death which could have been prevented with swifter action and clearer leadership. Loss which really never had to occur and could have been kept at bay with simple acts of getting a shot or wearing a mask. What is love of neighbor if not staving off death even for just a little while? And of course, throughout this pandemic, uh, it is frontline healthcare workers who have gone above and beyond in their efforts. And they've been regularly and appropriately called heroes. And yet the pandemic has continued on for so long that, and they've been asked to do so much that Dr. Uh, Katriana Cox asked whether the language of heroism might actually be unhelpful or even harmful at some point. And that's because it creates unrealistic expectations for what one is expected to do. It attempts to normalize superhuman efforts when that is clearly unsustainable. And it misdirects us from asking more probing questions about why such heroics are needed in the first place. And the truth is, after a year and a half of trauma, Doctors, nurses, and other healthcare workers are struggling to cope. A Washington Post article tells the story of, of one such doctor, uh, Justin Meschler. And it says, The doctor's bag now sits in his closet gathering dust. He lost his stethoscope somewhere in the house, a familiar weight that sat on his neck for more than two decades. It's been months since... Justin Meschler, 48 years old, practiced medicine, and he wonders if he ever will again. He quit his job as an anesthesiologist during the pandemic last spring when fear began seeping into every part of his life. And what began as a few months off has now turned into something much longer. Meschler says, I feel guilty for leaving. I think about the others who stayed on. I think about the patients I could have helped. I feel like I abandoned them. 
but mostly, he says, I feel relieved. A year plus into the pandemic, many others are joining Meshler at the door. An exodus fueled by burnout, trauma, and disillusionment. In wrenching interview after interview, nurses, doctors, technicians explain the impulse to quit and the emotional wreckage the pandemic has left in their lives. And it's not just the danger they've endured, they say. Many talked about the betrayal and hypocrisy they feel from the public they've sacrificed so much to save. Their clapping and hero worship one day, then refusal to wear masks and take basic precautions the next, even if it would spare healthcare workers the trauma of losing yet another patient. Well, Jesus, too, faces the disappointment of those who say he could have done more. Mary, in her own pain, falls to her knees in front of Jesus and says, Jesus, if you had been here, it could have been different. He didn't have to die. If only you had done more, Jesus, this could have been avoided. And Jesus faces the expectations of heroism. Some in the crowd say, he healed a blind man. Why couldn't he have kept this man from dying? Why couldn't you do more, Jesus? In our medical community, which has done so much for so many of us, going above and beyond in so many ways, is asked to do more and more and more. Megan Brunson, a night shift nurse in Dallas, <clears throat> said most of us got into this to save lives. But when death is blowing around you like a tornado and you can't make a dent in any of it, it makes you question whether you're making any difference. And that Post article says that even before the pandemic, the country was facing a looming shortage of doctors and nurses and additional losses to the medical workforce could spell dire consequences for U.S. healthcare. We need to stop treating them like heroes and start treating them like human beings, said Mona Masood, a psychiatrist who's counseled dozens of doctors in mental crisis in recent months. She says, I keep telling them, you don't have to set yourself on fire to keep other people warm. She says, healthcare can't just be about making patients well. We have to care for the healers too. Such a good line. We have to care for the healers too. And so if you are one of these healthcare workers, please take care of yourself. And I think this goes in many ways for all of us, right? Burnout is high no matter what line of work or no matter what occupies our days. Being human is hard, so hard in this time. And so we need extra kindness and care for ourselves and for those around us. In this moment, what is love of neighbor if not staving off death even for just a little while?
After the pleading from Mary and the questioning from the crowd, the text says Jesus was again greatly disturbed. We could translate that as anger, as grief, as pain, as all of the above. And the text says so poignantly that Jesus wept. Jesus wept. And he goes to the tomb and any of us who have ever stood graveside for a loved one knows this feeling, the deep sadness, the sheer impossibility of it. It's too much. It cannot be so. And Jesus faces the tomb of his friend, perhaps also filled with regret that he didn't do more. Move away the stone, he says, perhaps with a hitch in his voice. Martha interjects, Lord, he's been gone four days. There will be a stench. But Jesus persists and calls Lazarus forth. And whatever we think happened or didn't happen in this moment, what we see here is a friend in pain, a friend whose love is so deep that he's willing to do whatever it takes to stave off death, even if just for a little while. And it says the dead man came out, his hands and his feet bound with strips of cloth, and his face covered as well. Jesus says, unbind him and let him go. Carolina Lewis says, loving the neighbor as yourself is the means by which we fight off death every day and we are able to see the saint in all. Without this principle, we allow death to infringe prematurely on our lives. And so as Jesus orders Lazarus to be unbound, we are forced to ask, in what ways are we prematurely binding one another today? In what ways are we allowing death to have a say before it should? And when we step in and say, not today, we are living out that greatest commandment of love for neighbor, and we are practicing Resurrection. All Saints Day is an invitation, not only to remember those who have gone before, but to see the saint, to see the sacredness in all our neighbors. Yesterday, a family boarded a plane for a destination utterly <clears throat> unknown to them. Two young parents and four young kids forced to adjust to a language and a land not their own. A situation that has for all intents and purposes the stench of death about it. And yet they walked off that plane to be greeted by smiles and kindness. They were gently guided to warm shelter and given a homemade meal and the assurance that whatever the future holds for them in this unknown place, they will not be alone. And so each act of offering a toy or a high chair or a sippy <clears throat> cup or a smile is an unbinding, a balm, 
a sign that even though this family has seen death all around, there is life ahead. And if that isn't a glimpse of neighbor love and resurrection, I don't know what is. Amen. Maybe so. invited to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. streaming on Facebook. You can also watch these messages on the Holland UCC YouTube channel. And for more information, how to get involved, or to support our work, like us on Facebook or visit hollanducc.org.